So I hope all is uh, going well, or enough is going well, <laughs> uh, to make the pits that aren't going well manageable. We, we live in a very, even in a very simple monastic situation. We live in a complex of energies and bodily feelings and uh, mental dispositions and fortunate, unfortunate circumstances and also witnessing some of the vipaka or the results or the patterns that laid, have been laid down in the mind. You know, it's, it's craving, it's hungriness, it's uh, searching for something. It's lostness, it's trying to get it right, it's gripping, it's floundering, it's difficulties, you know. And within that, we're encouraging, can't really make much headway with that until you find something that your jitta can settle on that feels agreeable, stable. The um, function of careful attention is to locate that uh, in one's ethics, in one's friendliness, in one's uh, bodily disposition, even the company that we share, tune into that. And mindfulness is, just forms a frame around that and then you linger on it until that quality begins to amplify. And that's the basic principle of meditation, or jhana, you absorb into what's helpful and positive, skillful. So there's a kind of foothold one has, so we're not constantly struggling and tensing up against difficult experiences. And this happens on a reflexive level. You know, we don't wish to, but it just happens. And you can tell yourself, let go, let go, let go, and that doesn't necessarily make it happen. Actually, uh, person doesn't really let go, it's the jitter that lets go. Mm-hmm. When it's stable enough to be able to disengage from circumstances, and making that possible. You know, otherwise, there'll be no need to meditate or cultivate at all. So the Buddha teaches, he says, I teach a path of pleasure and the ending of suffering is agreeable, (laughs) worthwhile. Uh, And the path there is uh, agreeable and the foundation of it is agreeable. We agree with it. We don't necessarily always like every bit of it, but we agree basically, yeah, this is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see there's something kalyana in that, lovely, uplifting. You know, it doesn't have to be that, we don't want it that easy. You know, it, this is not baby food. This is take some chewing uh, to get this stuff down. But this is where the real nourishment lies. Work with difficulty. Mm. There's a nobility in that, working with difficulty. So, you know, the reflection on the warrior, 
We find a certain sense of courage and faith and nobility just in even working with difficulty. When that sense, this is something that the noble ones have worked with, we get through. There's a getting through this. Something has to be learned here. Something hasn't been learned. Needs to be learned here. Stay with it. And uh, the chitta makes the heart makes the breakthrough. Expectations, our self views, our opinionatedness, our, um, you know, you let go of that, oh, the world is larger and brighter because something has been, uh, you know, transcended, got through. There's nobility in that, courage, patience. Reminding oneself of this, not to lose heart. And you find the skillful means that uh, will suit your chitta at this time. You look for the, it's called the nimitta, and the chitta, the sign of the chitta where it, where it picks up, where it lifts up, where it feels yes. And that you linger in that quality. And a certain strengthening, brightening occurs there. You linger in that. Your faith lingers. Your faith collects. Your energy collects. Form mindfulness around that. And recommendation is when you uh, find a source of faith and encouragement. You manage to, you know, walk away from the strawberry cheesecake without <laughs> a flinch. You managed to get out in the cold without grumbling. You managed to, whatever it was, you know, good. Linger in that. Yeah, you can. That's uh, some strength there. One is something is something is shifting, and the shift is the renunciation. It's a very powerful, um, very powerful shift. To any degree, one, you know, is able to untether the mind from its habits. Oh. It's illuminating that we can do that without a sense of disapproval. We just know it's enough. Enough. You know, don't want to do that. And enough. Nibida. Strengthening effect. Oh, this is really the, uh, why it's called the noble path. Now, you know, renunciation is one of the three powerful attitudes, aims, intentions, sankapa. And you can cover everything with that, you know, letting go of the ill will. So, first of all, it's to do with sense contact, but then the ability to... From renunciation, you develop things such as uh, detachment, dispassion. So, because you understand, the mind just begins to understand, uh, this, will make, this is better. 
As an example, you know, things go wrong and something jumps up wanting to blame something. Blame anybody. Blame the work team, blame the cook, blame the abbot, blame the government, blame the weather, blame yourself. Why do that? What good does that do? That's something that could be, that's an unpleasant experience. Why make it worse? Why make it worse by adding all that ill will to it? This is someone who's got a hold on his reflexes of the mind. something we find agreeable why have more of it why not let it be agreeable and let it pass why ask for more of it why try to establish that as a norm isn't it more beautiful when you know we have a low level so you know the agreeable remains oh rather special there's a low level which is kind of neutral and then the you know you can, that's the standard of monastic is to not from some um, puritanical streak but just oh, no, we don't want too much good stuff because then it, our tastes change you want the taste buds to be quite clean not heavily coated with luxury and sugar and everything going wonderful because no you don't want that because then you get more fragile and dependent upon it. You want it to be, okay, good enough, you know. Second hand. (laughs) So that, uh, you know, there's an openness there. Uh, The wisdom of insecurity, you don't want it too secure. Because then you're getting territorial about it, holding it, you know, fixated upon it. You don't want it too secure. Because then you get into the, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? And this mustn't go wrong. I can't bear that. And you get too fragile. And insecurity makes you more resilient and bouncy and able to flow. Mm. This change of taste. And uh, starts to, in meditation, you're deepening that because you begin to see something very revealing uh, through uh, absorbing into the nature of mind. You know, condition, phenomena, pleasure, displeasure, yeah, and the agitation it can cause. where the jitter gets stirred up and you've begun to see the something more fulfilling in this bareness of mind strange phrase when the mind is uh, bare it's also vibrant there's a fundamental luminosity to it 
which is not about states. Uh, vibrant, sensitive, open. If it wasn't that way, why would the Buddha have taught it? If, you know, if the uh, clearing led to a somewhat denuded state, actually the clearing leads to an unencumbered state. And so, why would one want to be liberated from pleasure? <laughs> well, personally, one doesn't. <laughs> but on a, you know, on a personal level, yeah, I keep it coming. <laughs> I'll have a nice steady flow of doing me fine on a, on, a, on a purely personal level. But then something wiser says, no, you're just going to go to sleep like that. <laughs> You're just going to kind of cut, snuggle down and let it be uncertain, (laughs) neutral, and see what comes up with that. The uh, craving, the why could it be more like this or somewhere else, or a bit more thrilled, exciting or something. Could be. It could be. Life certainly has been more exciting than this. <laughs> Where did that go? Yeah. <laughs> you know, fireworks and then... Zzz. And the mind becomes weak. So we... Liberated from pleasure is not really a, a kind of a repudiation of it, but the shifting of the chitta because it sees this goes so far and stay with it and it will change by itself you don't have to get rid of it pleasure, mental pleasure only continues by being reiterated and amplified a pleasant conversation and it keeps going because you keep finding new, funnier, happier, interesting things to say. Otherwise, it, you know, how long is a pleasant meal pleasant? First few bites, great. After that, hardly notice it. Your mind drifts off somewhere else. Nothing wrong with it. Yes, that's the nature of it. So we don't exactly let go of it, we just see it as it is. And it, the jitter sees past the ending of that. And, it, and with some practice and some patience and some courage, you see, is it possible to not jump to the, seek the next one? To not try and fill up the space? But this takes training because for the untrained mind, the ending of things, the space of things is tragic. A sense of loss and agitation because the mind has held that. Therefore, when what it's holding on to dissolves, it's all at sea, it's capsized, it's. Mm. 
This is why we train, meditate. Relinquishing isn't possible without a long time training and maturation of citta of the heart. So generally what occurs is people find that sense pleasures are less pleasing, coarser, more unreliable than um, the pleasure of calm, pleasure of um, social pleasure, pleasure of friendship, which is pleasant indeed and useful. The pleasure of uh, feeling confident, pleased, having good, successful experiences, having done well. The sense of heart is lifted up by that. But as you recognize, even with that, rationally you can begin to acknowledge, well, yeah, but you can't get it right all the time, can you? There's going to be a time when, you know, oops. So don't invest too much in that. The main thing is to maintain that steady approach and mindful of feeling. And what feeling does when we get some pleasant feeling, particularly is associated with our efforts, I'll do it again. Do it again, make more of it. Mm. We cultivate uh, in meditation and this stripped down presentation, experiencing the uplift of skillful mental states, the pleasure of that happiness becomes embodied. Whenever you feel a skillful state, you should really try to notice that skillful state and breathe it. Mm, Sounds strange, but so you really. Feel the energy of that and you breathe it into your body. It doesn't mean you do anything particularly, just notice your breathing when you're in a skillful, positive, useful state of mind. Because it seems to almost imprint that at a reflex level. And you feel the benefit of it, the punya. And so it begins to clear out the uh, dullness or the restlessness or the bleakness, take it in, linger in it, linger in it, saturate in it. And that's the principle of jhana. So that the residual doubt or nervous reactivity or crampness of the mind, crampness of the body is released. 
And that's, that's cultivated. It begins to work on the reflex volitional energy. That in the mind wants to do something, arrive somewhere, get something going. No, no, linger. Stay with this. See how it changes. Changing. Contemplating changeability. Dispassion. This dispassion of witnessing. And the ending, ceasing of making a self territory out of skillful state. Doesn't mean we dismiss the skillful state, but there's a, perhaps a gratitude even, skillful states have arisen, quality of goodwill has arisen, confidence has arisen, uh, uplift has arisen, but you don't claim it. It's not even just a verbal thing, it's a sense in which we take that as the baseline. Dispassion. Ceasing of grasping. Relinquishment of self. View. That's the process, ongoing process of insight. Ongoing process of insight. And jitta cultivates that as he begins to see which is the way where least stress occurs. It's a very simple equation. In any given norm, any given situation, internal, external, where's the least, where I create the least stress, the least burden for myself, the least sense of loss, potential loss, the least sense of having to hold on. How's that possible? That's your inquiry for liberation. It's not that skillful states, pleasant states, fortunate states should not arise, but within that, being on guard for the shadow of clinging. And skillful states, fortunate states can be there. It's not the Buddha, when his enlightenment, abandoned all skillful states, but he abandoned only them. So this is liberation with regard to the pleasurable and the fortunate. There's a levelling, more equanimous. You know, equanimity doesn't sound like a particularly great experience, but it's vast. You can put everything in within that. <laughs> and the scope of it is enormous. Happiness, not very wide range. There's only some things you can feel happy about. And then we get happy, you know, things are going well, healthy, things are going nicely, monastery is ticking over. Yeah, people in good state, and uh, great, and fortunate. Yeah, good, very good, good. (laughs) 
And also, we're grateful for that. And when one's economist around that, it does give a greater support for gratitude and the marvel of life. Whereas everything becomes established. It's always like this. Then we lose that sense of gratitude and miracle. And the jitter closes, holds on. This is the wisdom to see, to really detect beginnings of stress, endings of stress. Mm. An example of our teachers, Ajahn Lumpur Cha, was um, fearless in terms of, um, you know, creating challenges for people to <laughs> strengthen up with and, you know, be upset by, <laughs> get through <laughs> and feel grateful for. That's, that's a very powerful teacher. Mm. Mm. I've been saying when Ajahn Sumedho was establishing Chitta Viveka and then a lot of work, struggle, lots and lots of work, things got this place in West Sussex, all moved down here, a lot of work doing, things were buzzing away. And naturally, people were getting upset and da 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 da, running away and things like that. And eventually, things settled down a bit, got steady. And he was communicating to Lumpur Char, this is before Lumpur Char packed up, saying, You know, well, we seem to be in, you know, we've got established here, and things are fairly harmonious. And Char said, Huh, you won't learn much wisdom through harmony. <laughs> No wisdom that way. Uh, thanks. <laughs> make it tough. Make it. It's <laughs> a message. I said, you know, the thing I really fear about the Western teachers is you won't be prepared to stab your disciples' hearts. <laughs> you should let them get over it. Make it too soft. Right. <laughs> Ah. And actually, you know, I found that you don't really need to because people stab their own hearts plenty of times. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's uh, changing one's baseline and how this occurs, not through an act of the will, but through. Um, Deep meditation on one level, noticing that it actually feels better, jitter feels grander, more luminous, more vibrant, when there's less stimulation. Certainly, displeasure is not fun, but even, you don't want that much stimulation even, because it just rocks things around. Mm. And that depends on you know, where, the, where the jitter's at. 
If it's not there yet, you've got to own up. Say, well, I do need that. But then the most skillful places to get pleasure will be, say, in calm, in skillful deeds, in recollecting virtue, in acts of service. They'll fortify it to the point when you know, you, you find yourself not wanting the, not really looking for, or wanting, or even your tastes change. This changing of taste is, is a phenomenon that happens by itself. Shifting happens by itself. You can't force it, but you can prime it by this introspection, how feeling occurs, or feeling does. Mm. And the movement of it, it's like a certain energy that bursts through the chitta and moves it. And when the chitta is getting more peaceful, it doesn't want that, that moving. It's fine where it is. And this is where this, you really get a sense seeing, noting, or being able to drop into something more fundamental, like a basic... Sometimes it's referred to as luminosity of jitta, vibrancy, because all these are just terms that one has to use from the sensory spheres, but something uh, that's not a state in itself, not a conditioned, or it's, it's kind of innate. And that also is something we just notice as it is. This is the nature of jitta. Mm-hmm this and we're not fascinated by it one of the big um, subtler called upakilesa or refined forms of defilement is getting fascinated by brilliance of the mind or basa luminosity becomes an obstacle when one gets fascinated by it you know, people start to go a little strange <laughs> Yeah. So we have that. And then we also have a kind of low level of uh, practice, or low level, put it that way. It's just a sense of equanimity going through a day. Through the cold of it, the tiredness of it, the, in, the neutrality of it, the edgy pieces, the confused pieces, and you know, just going through that process of a day. And the less rocking around with it, the less wincing and reaching out. Then this also is taking one back to a fundamental basis, a balanced place. Yeah. with the stilling of sankharas, with the stilling of volitional shifts, the relinquishment of one's habits, acquisitions, detachment, dispassion, the destruction of craving. This is the way the path is described. And we find places where we can log into that track in our daily life, in our meditation, reflection, through entering and understanding the nature of mind.
Let's take some time for silent practice. <coughs> 